we would take a a team of guys go down there with body armor guns uh night vision um and and get it done and we'd work right hand in hand with the haitian national police so that's what we're working on right now this this, this is the house flipping hq podcast Hey, what's going on, my fellow house flipping business builders? I hope you guys all had a great week. Hope you had a great Easter. I know we sure did. Uh, my parents came over and we had some good food. My wife made some really good Cafe Rio style salads. That was delicious. Did some fun scavenger hunts with the kids. They got a ton of Easter eggs and it's been lots of fun. So it's been another amazing week as far as our deal acquisition goes. I continue to be completely baffled and feel incredibly blessed. Um, I was talking to someone this morning about the um, how that happens in business. You know, you kind of start and you you're just trying to figure out what to do, right? And you fell after fell, just keep going forward, learning from your mistakes. Hopefully, you're taking action and learning from those mistakes. And it just seems impossible. And then finally, if you keep pushing through, you're so close and you might get that first deal. Then after that, you know, it takes a while and you can get a second deal, but not nearly as long. And then before you know it, you can get a deal on a regular basis. And if you keep pushing and build those systems and do all the things that we teach you, you can create a very successful business. And for me, you know, this year has kind of been going from, at least so far, at least these last uh, couple months, going from a very successful business to an incredibly um, successful, incredibly high volume business. You know, I don't want to count those chickens before they hatch, per se, but it's just amazing how many houses we've been able to put under contract in the past couple months. Um, I mean, we got 11 more last week. Uh, the week before we did, we did four, which isn't 11, but it's four. <laughs> um, I don't know. We've just been averaging about a deal a day for the past six to eight weeks, um, which once again, I don't think will continue for the weeks to come, but it might. I mean, when I look at all these sources we're getting deals from, we've just really ex- expanded. And, you know, once we opened up to go into other states, and taking our current system that we've been using in California and just implementing it there and then uh, opening up our network more and getting more capital. All these things are just coming together. And it's just, a, it's amazing what it's allowed us to do. So um, once again, you know, keep pushing, right? If Start out small, that's fine. Learn the basics, learn the fundamentals, take action. And as you grow, you, you'll be amazed at what you'll be able to do. It'll be life-changing. Um I just want to give a quick shout out to Tom Wood, my father-in-law, three deals last week. I mean, it's, it's incredible. You know, you came down here not too long ago and to California and we're, we're working hard and struggling, right? That's how we all do. And three deals in one week and two deals the week before that. I mean, you're on fire. It was great talking to uh, you last week about some of your goals and, and, you know, I will see what you end up doing with your career and, of being a teacher, uh, my guess is you will take that permanent hiatus, not just for a year. Um, and I know that's a big risk and sacrifice for you, but I think you're starting to see the potential upside. And uh, I'll be proud of you either way, no matter what you decide. Um, but 
that's it's exciting to see where you've where you've come and what's that what that has allowed you uh to do and anyway that i'm speaking to tom but i'm speaking to everyone out there who may be going through that struggle and you know say keep pushing through and you know i haven't talked to tom about this yet but i i think we need to have you on the show here in a little bit so anyway looking forward to seeing you as well this weekend um I know the circumstances are unfortunate, and I'm sorry for your loss, uh, but, you know, nevertheless, it'll be good to see you and good to get together, and, you know, this business allows us to be able to just get up and go and, and do things like that, um, and it was great hearing you talk about that that freedom that you feel and how great it is to to be able to work for yourself, and for to hear you talk about that just reminds me of how blessed I am, so... Thank you for that as well. Okay, so today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're not going to talk about buying, financing, fixing, and, and selling or, or anything or, or mindset or along those lines. I want to talk a little more about you know your why. You know why your why basically why do we do what we do? Why for ten plus years have I? Woken up every morning not knowing what's going to happen, um, not having any, any guarantees given to me, willing to take the risks that I take. Um, of course, things are you know are pretty good now, but the times when I had the hundred and twenty thousand dollars of debt and would go and you know share a house with several family members and other people that worked for me with me, and wake up at five o'clock in the morning and sell all day and then come back and do the administrative work and just push through, you know, like more and wanted that more than I wanted to be able to breathe. Why was I willing to do that? Um, there's, there's lots of reasons. Um, for me at the beginning, it was, you know, I had a family to take care of. I had a son, I had my wife, they were counting on me. I couldn't let them down. I had to do it ever it took um, to just be able to not really give them everything they could want, but to give them the basic needs of life, you know, to be able to pay the rent, to feel like I had succeeded at something, right? To be able to pay off the debt that I had to friends and family. I mean, that was a big part of my why. Um, And then I think, you know, at the beginning, my wife and I would always, this is before all the debt came, when we first got married, and I guess we were a little presumptuous i guess we were a little naive but we would always talk about our goals in life and um you know some of the things we wanted to do like on a on a bigger scale you know not just be able to go on trips and go out to eat and do fun things like that but you know we had these um goals and ideas of building something bigger than ourselves, and um you know help help those in in greater need and we talked about things like you know, helping people that, um, you know, go without food and, and, and this, our country and other countries or, um, creating wells and, uh, maybe orphanages or schools. And, um, you know, we used to watch this show called turning point. It was just about incredible people that, that made a big difference in, in people's lives. And, you know, it was something that we always desired to do. And, you know, we felt, very confident from the beginning that we were going to live a life of abundance, even though at the time, you know, we were going to school and my wife just became a teacher. You know, she's making like, I don't know, 30 or $25,000 a year, something very low. 
Um, but we always felt, had that abundant mentality and felt like we were going to be able to, um, you know, have, have all the things that we needed and then some of them be able to provide and help others. Um, of course, you know, we had our rude awakenings uh, with our $120,000 of debt and things didn't happen as quickly as we had hoped, you know, the car that we never got, but we still have always had that vision of, you know, getting our family and financial needs taken care of first and then being able to do something, something, I don't know, I don't want to say bigger because I don't know if there's anything bigger than, than your family or, um, you know, it's, it's hard to put that into perspective, but, um, something of a, of a different magnitude or I don't know how to describe it, but bottom line is we, we feel like we are to that point where, um, although, you know, we try to do what we can, you know, when, when, when we can with what we can, um, we feel like it's time to kind of step that up a little bit. Um, and so we've been kind of thinking, contemplating, praying, um, about where we might be able to make the biggest impact. And about a year ago, a year and a half ago, not too long after we moved to San Clemente, my wife, um, had the chance to go to this, uh, they call it a fireside. It's basically a, uh, gathering, I'm not wording it very good, but she had the chance to go hear this guy speak. And, you know, she, she learned more about him. His name was Tim Ballard. And she found out that he was on this mission to save children who were basically in slavery and not only just slavery of, of working for people, but, um, the, the worst kind of slavery I can think of. And, you know, there are people out there who unfortunately are evil and, um, just, uh, it's hard to even talk about it, to tell you the truth, but, you know, have, have trafficked these children, um, into basically, you know, prostitution and, you know, just, just a heads up, maybe I should have mentioned this before, but you know, if, if you do have kids listening or, uh, if you're incredibly, you know, uh, let's say the sensitive to um, things of a of a uh, kind of appalling nature. Um, just just be aware that some of the things we talk about in this interview that I do here, um, it's not it's not we don't obviously get into detail of the grotesque details of some people out there and the things they do, but just know that it's disturbing what is being done you know with these children. They're basically um, being sold into they're in slavery. As does prostitution and children. I mean, it's just it's just amazing. I can't even. It's hard for me to even really talk about. But so my wife found out about this, and I've been kind of doing some research on this organization for quite some time. And what's interesting is about a year ago, this guy moved into the area and started going to you know, my my church, and I found out that he worked with this uh, Tim Ballard. So and his name his name was Dutch Turley, and that's why I interviewed today. And I've gotten to know Dutch pretty well um, over the past year or so. And he's just an incredible person. I mean, one of my heroes. I mean, this guy goes in and, and does these missions and saves these kids. Um, so anyway, I don't want to steal the, the thunder too much. But, um, you know, this is an organization we're going to start uh, getting involved with. And we'll talk about some more of the details in the interview. And I'll, I'll talk a little more about those afterwards. But it's something that I think it's important that we're all aware of and whether you get involved in, in this organization or a different organization, um, I highly encourage you to f- 
find something greater. You know, ever since I have been wanting to participate and help out this, I don't want to say organization, but help out these kids. Um, you know, I think of my kids and I just think, man, I, I, I sure hope, you know, someone would help them out if I, if they ever came in that need. And, um, you know, since I've been in this mindset, it's given me an extra strong drive, um, something deeper to work for. You know, we've reached the financial freedom and not saying we've arrived or anything like that, but we've reached a lot of our goals and to have something of this magnitude to strive towards has just given me so much more depth and helped me keep pushing along and, and doing the things we're doing. So I encourage you to find that. I encourage you to find your why. Um, so anyway, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get to the interview. And then at the end, I'm going to give um, give a give a link and, and some things that you can do to to help contribute. If you know if you feel like this podcast um, has in any way helped you in your life. Um, would love to uh, have you contribute and I'll match, you know, whatever you donate, of course, not of course, but I talk about that in the interview. So, all right, without any further ado, I, I give you Dutch Turley. Once again, it's a very sensitive topic, so it's kind of hard um, for me to even get excited about talking about it, but I think it's incredibly important. So I appreciate you you guys listening. Um, this means a lot to me, you know, every how far we've come and what this has allowed me to do having you guys as, as listeners, it couldn't be done without you. So, okay, here we go. Hey guys, what's going on? I am here with Dutch Turley, former Navy SEAL and VP of rescue operations for operation underground railroad. Super honored to be with you today, Dutch. How, how's it going? Uh, it's going great. Thanks for having me on your show, Justin. This is awesome. So, Dutch, why don't you give us a little more about your background and then tell us a little bit more about OUR, uh, what it is exactly you guys do, what your mission is, and and we'll take it from there. Sure, no problem. Um, my background is, as as you said, former Navy SEAL. I, I was in the Navy for six years, and I was a SEAL teammate. And... About a year, year and a half ago, I talked to the president and former founder of Operation Underground Railroad. Named, his name is Tim Ballard, and he asked me to help him with uh, rescuing children from sex slavery, uh, kidnapped children or kids sold in and trafficked into sex slavery. So that's what we do. We, we rescue those kids so they can have a better life. That's pretty amazing. I mean, you know, I know, you know, Dutch and I, we, we go to the same the same church and you know we there's there's a, for the third hour yeah our church is long right <laughs> the, the third hour it's like the guys are together and you know sometimes i would would say hey what'd you guys do this week what's going on and i didn't really say this but i'm like yeah we bought like three houses this week it's pretty cool right and feeling pretty good about myself and and dutch you know he didn't do this in a boastful way at all but he would get up and and ask us to to pray for you know, one of the, the children that they were trying to rescue. And it just has, has always touched me. Um, and he's, you know, truly one of my heroes, but to, and it just caused me to really reflect on my life and, um, you know, want to, to strive for that more depth in life, right? That more, the more meaning, um, and purpose. So I, that's why I wanted to have him on today and just learn more about, you know, what they do. So tell us, I mean, a little more specifically Dutch about, you know, I, I called you up a couple of weeks ago to talk to you about uh, a partnership with us helping out with your program. 
And I think you called me back from where was it that you were like Dominican Republic? Yeah, yeah. I mean, tell us a little more about, you know, you specifically, some of the things you do um, like on a regular basis, these missions, how they work, how you get in there. I mean, for a lot of people, they hear this and they're just at least for me. I'm like, what? Like, what do you do? How does that happen? Like, um, tell us a little more about that. Yeah, of course. So Operation Underground Railroad was was started by Tim Ballard, who is the president and CEO. He saw a problem as he worked with Homeland Security, and he was on the child sex crimes um, unit for 12 years. And because of the red tape, because of all the bureaucracy that sometimes comes along with working as a special agent in with the government, um, he saw... He saw a need to break off onto his own and start OUR, Operation Underground Railroad. So what we do, and the reason why we're so successful is because of people like Tim, people like myself, and people like um, some others, undercover operators that we have, we are able to go and do, and we're able to just go and take action and set up sting operations uh, to rescue kids. So... With that being said, uh, there's there's a whole process to what we do, and the reason why we're able to do all these things is because we're privately funded. We're funded by uh, listeners like yourselves and, and, and people like you, Justin, to uh, be able to help us to go out and save these kids. Now, what Tim saw was he wasn't able to rescue kids because the U.S. government only focused on getting the case back to the U.S. government and back in a U.S. courtroom. And so a lot of these kids fell by the wayside and went right back into being sold and trafficked. So because of this need, because of the demand of of sex tourism that's out there, there are people in the U.S., in, in Canada, and in, in Europe who strictly go on these vacations, and it's called sex tourism. They're addicted to child pornography, and... And that's why there's such a demand for it. There's 2 million children in the world that are sex slaves. There's over 100,000 of those 2 million in the U.S. Now, you're thinking right now, that's amazing, that's crazy. I can't even believe that, that that's happening, but it is. And there's a need for, for OUR uh, to be out there in the world to save and rescue these kids. And the way it's broken down is when we go and have a sting operation, there's a process to it. Just like flipping a home or, or anything else, you know, you have to develop it, you have to find it, you have to, um, and then you have to execute the sting operation. So what we do is we go in and work with local law enforcement officials, and we do that first. We get their authorization to be able to go undercover in their country, and we go find these sources that sell kids. And as as we develop those relationships, we we bring we bring uh, more operators down and set up a sting party party like a bachelor party or something like that. And we we ask these people to give us, you know, one to three kids per person that we have there. And so we're we're rescuing twenty to fifty kids per operation. So it's it, it's quite an amazing thing. And in our first year of doing this. Uh, doing these sting operations with these government officials. We worked in eight different countries. We did 11 operations, and we rescued 240 kids. This year, um, like you said, I was in Dominican Republic, and 
I I was there um, working with my team, and we were able to rescue um, 29 victims. Wow. And that, that's when you called me. You called me, and I'm like, hey, Justin, let's, you know, and, and you're like, where are you? It seems like you're far away. <laughs> I was like, I'm in Dominican Republic working. And uh, so I, I really appreciate, you know, the partnership that, that we're, uh, we're creating and, and uh, what, what you want to do with your listeners. This is amazing. So, um, yeah, I, mean, I just got chills when you, when you talked about how many kids there are out there that, that go through this and what they go through. And, um, you know, I've got, I've got three kids. We just heard one in the background yelling <laughs> upstairs. Um, and I know, you know, you have one on the way, right? That's right. We, uh, my wife and I just found out we were pregnant and it's a, it's a funny story. She called me when I was in, in the Dominican Republic and told me, you know, we're pregnant. And I was in the middle of talking to some of these sources that we were trying to develop to rescue these kids from them. And it immediately changed my mentality and my drive, my motivation, because here I am, I'm, I'm going to be a dad. You know, it's, it's a, an amazing feeling to, to be a father, and I, I want to be a good father. And some of these kids don't have that uh, in their lives. And we want to at least give them a chance to get back to their families or get into a home that, that they can uh, have a normal life so that they can learn and go to school and be a productive member of their society in their respect in their respective country. So that's that's why we do this. That's our bottom line is so these kids can have a voice because not right now they don't. There's 2 million kids out there that don't have a voice. They don't have any choices and that's what we want to give back to them. It's just it just blows my mind. I mean that there's something like this that's even out there. I mean, I think it's so easy for us to sometimes kind of turn the turn our head. Um, it just seems so grotesque. I mean, not only is slavery still in existence, but this kind of slavery. I mean, it's it's children, and then in 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 the the way to take someone's virtue and freedom of choice, and, and it's just to me, it's so wrong on so many levels. I mean, just even talking about it, I get kind of um, a little choked up, and I'm. I'm honored to to be a part of it. I, I listened to a thing that Tim Ballard was talking about how you know so many people say that they would be would would be an abolition abolitionist mm-hmm. in the time of slavery. You know, I definitely would have been against that, but but yet we have this problem today, and so many people just either aren't aware of it or don't don't really um, aren't don't don't do anything about it, and I I think that needs to change. I, I definitely agree with you, Justin. Um, when Tim talks about that, you know, I, one of the first times that I heard him talk about that, uh, about the Civil War and, and that time area and how bad slavery was and people like Harriet Beecher Stowe, who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, she was an amazing person and she was at the forefront of abolishing slavery at that time. We want to be... Uh, we want to follow her example. We want. We have a documentary coming out. We have a film crew that follows us on these operations, and on it's important in two ways. One is so that we can hand over the evidence, the the voiceovers, uh, not voiceovers, the the voice recordings and the the video recordings of what we do on these operations. We record the negotiations of when. You know, we act as though we're buying these kids, and 
so once all those things go down, law enforcement, they come in and they raid uh, the sting operation. And what happens is we get arrested right along with these perpetrators. One, to, to hold, you know, keep our cover. And, and two, it, you know, it keeps us safe. Um, so, yeah, so slavery is indeed just as much in our day as it was back in, you know, times of the Civil War. And it's even more so. And it's just, it's right under our noses. So what, what really touched me, Dutch, and, you know, we had lunch last week. And, I mean, you guys are literally, you know, everyone wants, we all want to change the world, right? We want to do something big. Like, you guys literally are changing the world. What you guys are doing is really impacting the world and, and these people. And um, t- tell, talk a little more about that and how what you're doing isn't, is not only affecting the one, because that's really important, but how it's having a global impact. I mean, you guys have only been doing this for a couple of years, and you've already... Um, it's not just the 240 people that you I mean, saved last year. Um, it's a lot more than that because it's affecting, there's a ripple effect. Can you talk a little more about that? Of course. Yeah. So I, I appreciate you saying that and, and taking notice of what, what our main goal is. We want to make a dent in, in, in countries and their governments and how they go about fighting against uh, human trafficking. Um, for example, we did, Three, three simultaneous operations in Colombia, and we rescued 123 kids in under an hour. Now, a lot of you out there are like, well, how, how does that even happen? How do, how do you do that? Now, we, we did the same thing, but we just did it on a bigger scale. We developed three different areas, Medellin, Armenia, and Cartagena, Colombia. And they all went down at the same time on a... On, back in October of 2014. And what had, what had happened, the cause and effect. So these people were arrested, these kids were saved. But what happened after was more important. It changed the Colombian government's outlook because now they believe that they could go and do this. Since then, they have conducted five operations on their own and they've rescued more than 60, 60 children wow. from... Uh, child brothels to you know making arrests of of men and and women pushing these kids and selling them so they have they've done it on their own now and that's our goal our goal is to help governments understand how to use their own laws how to you know take responsibility for their own countries and do this and that's our goal is to change the way they look at it to help them do it on their own so that's pretty cool and you told me a story too about a region where you guys had done this operation and someone went back to check to see how things were going undercover, of course. And they're like, Oh yeah, we don't, we don't do that anymore. Someone came in and got busted recently. So we're not doing that. Yeah, exactly. So one of the operation, we've done two operations in Cartagena, Colombia. And after the second operation, we went back to that area and we went out and people, what happens is these runners, these, uh, teenage boys, they they approach you and they say, "What do you want? You want drugs? You want you want women? Do you want do you want young girls?" But they didn't say that, and we kind of got to the point of asking if you know we could purchase young young girls, and they they looked at us with eyes big and said, "Oh, you cannot do that here anymore." They said, "Don't even try to do that here." There were Americans arrested. 
there are a lot of Colombians arrested for, for selling kids. So the deterrent effect and the ripple effect that, that was created from the operation was amazing. You can't buy kids in Cartagena, Colombia, in the old town there. That, that's amazing. And that's, I don't know, it's just really cool to me that um, you guys, I don't know, it's really making a difference. And you talked to me about Thailand and how, you know, that's it's a pretty bad place for, for you know, trafficking of this sort. And the difference you guys are making there, and if you can do it in one country, how you can do that in other countries. Do you want to elaborate on that just a little bit? Sure. Yeah, Thailand is one of the worst places that human trafficking uh, happens. And because of the corruption of the government there and law enforcement, local law enforcement in these small cities, um, we're working with government officials that are vetted, that, are, that aren't corrupt, and we're going to work with their government to um, end human trafficking in, in Thailand. So if we can have influence on these governments to help them and give them the confidence that they can go forward and, and create the deterrent there, um, it would be amazing. And over over media, I can't really talk about some of the details because it's it's in development right now, but these, these people, the, these governments, they work off of what's called a tip report. The U.S. State Department puts out a trafficking in person report, and it's you're either a first, second, or third tier on that trafficking report. If you're a tier three on the trafficking report, that means your your country is the worst at among the worst in in trafficking. And Thailand recently was lowered to the tier three um, mark on that trafficking in person report, and they're highly motivated uh, to bring themselves up. Countries cannot be funded by the UN or the U.S. government for their economies if they are a tier tier three on the tip report. And because of that, there's a lot of motivation in some of these countries that are on that on that tier three level, like Haiti or Thailand, that want to get out of there. They need economic resources. And and so they want us to help them. And that's what that's what we're doing. We're gonna help them and we're gonna it's possible that we'll be able to change the face of Thailand. Everyone knows it's bad. Sixty percent of all tourists that go to Thailand are males that travel alone. That tells you something. It tells you there's a huge problem there. And that doesn't even dive into how bad it actually is. There's kids held in cages in Thailand and they're sold for that specific reason. Oh my gosh. I so, guys, I, this interview, honestly, it's it's hard for me to really even talk about this. Let alone, I'm sure it's hard for you to hear about it. Um, but it is a problem. And, you know, I, I feel very fortunate in the last few years and what, um, what what we've been able to do with our business. And I'm just determined to to really get involved and, and to start making a difference where I can, right? So that's the goal. Um, Dutch, you talk to us. We only have a couple more minutes. But talk to us a little bit about... The rehabilitation, because obviously there's a big rehabilitation that needs to go on after someone's been through um, something this this horrible, um, and and how you guys are involved in that. And then let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, I know there's a story about a little boy that that you're trying to find right now. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. For sure. Um, so we don't want to be a band aid. We want to be a solution to this problem of human trafficking, and. The solution is to give these kids a chance to have a normal life. And how do, how do you do that? Well, we work with NGOs, non-government 
um, officials and these companies that are also nonprofits like ourselves and we they have the aftercare set in place but we are starting to do our own projects in the rehabilitation world because some of these NGOs that we work with they're great but they haven't they don't have the funding they need they don't have all the expertise they need so we what we did we, we partnered with the Elizabeth Smart Foundation now what Ed Smart and Elizabeth Smart are doing are establishing an OUR home project where these kids will have ability to work with doctors, work with volunteers that go down to teach them how to be how to live a normal life, teach them skills for life and things like that. Also, what it will do is sponsor children to come to the US, be sponsored by a family, go to school here, learn English and be able to go back to their country and really make a difference as as a citizen of their country. So these are some of the things that we're trying to do, but ultimately the rehabilitation and the aftercare is the hardest part of this because there's so many cultures, there's so many things in place where walls have to be broken down to be able to help these kids get to a better place. That That's incredible. Um, so talk to us a little more about this little boy. What's his name? Gardy. Gardy. Talk to us a little more about Gardy and his story and what what you guys are trying to do to, to help him. Sure. Gardy is a kid who's been missing for five years. And before the earthquakes in Haiti happened, he was abducted after church. Um, his dad was the ecclesiastical leader of that church and someone picked him up and put him on a motorcycle and took off and then tried to ransom uh, that child. And the earthquake happened, and he was trafficked. He was sent away, and no one knew where he was. Tim Ballard, when he worked for Homeland Security, um, was able to go down to Haiti and look for him because this kid was born in St. George, Utah, and he was... He's a U.S. citizen. So they're able to open a file, but they weren't able to get all the resources they needed to do the operation uh, correctly. And after Tim left the government and started Operation Underground Railroad, that was one of the first places we went. We went to Haiti and Colombia, those two places first. And we started looking for him. We started into the investigation. We were able to um, assist in arresting a woman who sold children illegally and trafficked children out of an orphanage. These kids were living on asphalt, eating flour and water, totally malnourished, and we were able to rescue those kids from that orphanage and get them to better orphanages. We went back to visit them later, and happy. They're glowing. They're, awesome. They were nourished. You know, it was, it was amazing. But Gardy, we know where he is, and we are working on an operation right now to get him out. It's an operation that we cannot do as undercover agents. It is an operation that we have to do a full military-scale operation because the people that are holding him are holding... They have, they have weapons. They, it's We've already done an undercover operation there, and we were run out of the village. So the only thing that we're, is left to do is do a military-scale operation. So who... I mean, who would go on this operation? Like, are, I mean, would you go on this, or what? I mean... Yes, I I would. I I would be leading the operation, and we would take former Navy SEALs like myself. Uh, We have another Navy SEAL who works full-time with us, and we are planning the operation uh, right now. 
and we would take a a team of guys go down there with body armor guns uh night vision um and and get it done and we'd work right hand in hand with the haitian national police so that's what we're working on right now so i mean this is we're talking like whole nother level here right how does your your wife feel about that <laughs> well my my wife is great the only reason i can do what i do is because she's so supportive and and she she knows the level of extra expertise that we have in surgically going in and doing these type of assaults and that's why i'd be taking a team of of ex-seals so i told you know i talked to my wife about our lunch and I said I wanted to help and I told her the first thing you started talking about was this training you had with guns and and she, she, I was like well hold on I kind of want to help financially first <laughs> um but I mean honestly like uh, that's amazing to me really like and I I really look up to you a lot and you know truly like what you guys are doing like is heroic and you know I, I know you're you're a humble guy and um but you know I just think that's amazing what what you're doing well, thank you. I really appreciate you know your time and uh, the efforts that that you're you're putting forth to to help us. Maybe maybe someday I'll go on one of the missions and be there like, when you guys get back, right? And just <laughs> but yeah, and, and anytime, man, anytime we'll go out and do some training. So, um, guys, we we are going to begin involved more. You know, we'll still be talking about house flipping. This isn't going to turn in you know to to a totally different podcast, but. Um, we want to sponsor a mission. That's our goal. Dutch, I think you told me that it costs anywhere from forty to seventy thousand dollars to to sponsor one of these missions. Correct? Yes. yes, that's correct. So, first off, you know, if you guys want to learn more, go to our rescue o u r r e s c u e dot org. Correct? Yes. Um, go to our rescue. Our rescue. You can learn a ton more. They have a great blog, and you know the the, the movies. When's the movie coming out? Uh, the the documentary the movie's done. It was produced by Jerry Mullen, who produced Schindler's List and and uh, um, Jurassic Park and a bunch of movies. But he his whole thing is: what if we could have Schindler's List during the Holocaust? What type of Holy. you know how? What a deterrent it would have been to, to that whole movement. And so he wants to to help us uh, bring awareness to everyone about this problem. So it's it should be coming out soon. It's done. It's mastered, and um, right now uh, we need a bigger company to come out so we can get it in every movie theater nationwide. Awesome. So you can go to ourrescue.org um, or you are o u r rescue.org to learn more. Um, we after this, I'm going to do like a little outro, and I'll talk more about the details. But basically, what it's going to come down to is. We're going to pick a house, probably one that we buy maybe next week, as long as it's the right one. I want to make sure it's, it's the right one. Probably do it here in California so we can kind of follow things along. And we're going to document that process and talk to you guys about the house we bought and do a little some blog posting about it and whatnot. And then we're going to take the proceeds from that house and, and donate it towards one of these missions. So that's one of the things we're going to do. And then also, I'll give you guys the link to go after. After this interview, you'll, you'll hear me talk about it. I'm going to give you a link where you can go and you can donate. You know, if you've enjoyed the podcast, if it's helped you in your house flipping career, or if you just feel moved by, um, you know, what, what these guys are doing, then you can contribute and I will match my company. I should say my company because there, you know, there are a lot of people involved in my company that this would not be possible without them, but our company will match whatever you contribute and, you know, we are going to do one of these missions, you know, we're going to do one of the missions. And then when we go on the mission, you know, we'll let you guys know about it, whether I end up going on the plane or not, or I stay back, but we will document it. Um, 
and let you know. We can't give you the details of where we're going before for obvious reasons, for safety reasons. But after the mission's over, I mean, we're, we'll let you know what we did and the kids that were saved. And, um, and, and you know, you guys are going to be a, be a part of this. So it's going to be going to be pretty cool, you know, to do something, um, something of this magnitude of, of this importance. Yeah. And, and I, I agree, Justin, this is amazing. And what we can do is we can give the, the operation a name and we can give updates to your, your, your listeners and they can, they can know the updates about the house that's being built and what mission it's going to go towards. And then afterwards we can give all the details of that specific mission. So you guys can track exactly what's going on. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. So we will get you guys details on that and get you more um, updates. I'll get you a link here soon. Um, but I'm excited. You know, if, if you feel at all like a lot of times people reach out to me and say, hey, how can I just contribute to what you've done? I say, just go go take action. Go make something happen and, and I'll be happy, right? So this is a great way that, that you can give back in that way. And I will match um, whatever whatever it is that you donate. And let's, you know, go out and we're so blessed here. You know, so blessed to have... I'm always talking about abundance and all these things that we have and we live in a great country, but you know, there are people out there who don't have that freedom. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Thank you so much Dutch for, for coming on. And you know, the, I'm once again, very odd at what you guys are doing and looking forward to working with you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much, Justin and, and to the rest of the people that work with, with you and your company. And we're very excited about this and, you know, lots of good things to come. So thank you for your support. Awesome. Thanks, Dutch. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Once again, thank you so much, Dutch, um, Tim, and everybody else at Operation Underground Railroad for your sacrifice and for what you guys do. Um, I think it's absolutely incredible. If anyone on this call or within the sound of my voice is um, feels moved at all in any way or feels like this podcast has helped you or anything that we've shared um, and you would be interested in helping our campaign, our mission to help rescue some of these children, you can go to houseflippinghq.com slash O-U-R and that will redirect you to their website um, from where you can contribute. Um, if you have any questions at all, please reach out to us at info at housewhippinghq.com or you can reach out and just send uh, to Justin at housewhippinghq.com and you know, we'll be help- happy to help you out with that. So this is something we're going to, you know, we're going to be getting involved in a little bit more and I'm excited to, you know, get that house, one of the houses that we buy here. It could be today, it could be tomorrow in the next few days. Um, we are going to a lot, let you follow that journey with us and then uh, you know, do some posting about it, and I'll be talking about it on the podcast, and then we're going to contribute those funds to uh, to this campaign as well. But we will um, we will reach our goal. We will raise sixty thousand dollars by the end of this year. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to make this happen. We're going to make this happen. I couldn't do it without you guys or you know my team and everyone else. Um, but it was a big deal. You know, there are people out there right now who are in slavery <laughs> um, for one of the most cruel, evil things I could ever think of. And I'm, I'm dedicated to helping make a difference. So, um, thank you guys so much. Once again, I know this was a little different, even though we will talk about this, you know, we will continue to talk about house flipping. It's not (laughs) the podcast isn't changing. Uh, but this is a big deal to me and and I appreciate your guys' support. So once again, you can go to housewhq.com slash O U R. And I will, uh, personally, I shouldn't say personally, because 
to my company and a lot of people help out my company, but I will, uh, my company will match, um, any contribution that, that you make. So, all right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Hope you have another great week. Get out there, take some action, make some things happen. You do make a difference. Uh, you will make a difference and, um, love you guys all. And we'll see you next week on the housekeeping HQ podcast. Bye-bye. This has been the House Flipping HQ Podcast. Your, your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Check out amazing tutorials, blogs, how-tos, and other inspiring podcasts with house flipping experts at houseflippinghq.com. Houseflippinghq.com.